We continue our summer series on the names of God. Today is a little, a little bit different because it's a really hard name to pronounce. It is a name that is a characteristic of God in his actions with the people in Scripture in the Bible. And we'll continue that name through today uh, for several ways, and you'll see that along the way. The name today is Jehovah Sidkinu. Sidkinu, the Lord, our righteousness. And this book of Jeremiah, if you'll pull out your Bibles with me, look at Jeremiah 23, 1 through 6. Jeremiah 23, 1 through 6. Put your finger there and we'll jump there in just a second. Jeremiah is a prophet in the Old Testament between the Syrian Empire and the Babylonian uh, regime that be began to grow over decades and almost a century. His ministry lasted for almost 40 years, over five kings. And Jeremiah was a little jaded along the way because of what continued to happen. And we have a, I, I was in a D group back last year before COVID happened. And we were going through the Old Testament, reading through the Old Testament together. And the most amazing thing about that reading was how many times the Israelites did not do what God told them to do. Not once, not twice. Over and over again. For generations, they would not do what they were told. As upsetting as that is to Jeremiah, I'm sure he became very jaded in that. But God was disappointed as well and used Jeremiah to carry the messages over and over again through these generations of people of what we know in Psalms 23 that we've read every Sunday. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. God knows with David over and over again, David shares in the Psalms about the right path or the right way or the right plan. And some of those direct translations are related to righteousness. And we're going to talk through that today. It's a messianic prophecy of the Jesus to come. If you have your Bibles um, and open to Jeremiah 23, why don't you stand real quick? In honor of God's word, follow along with me. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. This is the Lord's declaration. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says about the shepherds who tend to my people. You have scattered my flock, banished them, and have not tended to them. I'm about to attend to you because of your evil acts. This is the Lord's declaration. I will gather the remnant of my flock from all the lands where I've banished them, and I will return them to their grazing land. They will become fruitful and numerous. 
I will raise up shepherds over them who will tend to them. They will no longer be afraid or discouraged, nor will they be missing. This is the Lord's declaration. Verse 5. Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will raise up a righteousness branch for David, which would be Jesus. He will reign wisely as king and administer justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. This is the name he will be called. Jehovah Sidkinu, the Lord is our righteousness. Father, it's our prayer today that we understand Scripture according to our life. Not just information in the sky, but information that we place in our hearts and our minds. That these words would become real to us and a part of who we are in our DNA. For it's your name that we pray. Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> I, I need some water over there, guys. Can y'all? Sorry, just a second. Hold on. All right, thank y'all. Opportunities for serving. <laughs> it's our prayer that everyone who wants to serve finds a place to serve. It's not serving each other, it's serving the Lord. And the opportunities that come along the way of the people that do the little things become the big things. And we're trying to teach that on many different levels. Point number one, God's declaration. He says it multiple times in Scripture. Several times in this Scripture we just read, Jesus is the righteousness we all need. Jeremiah was responsible for bringing God's instructions, corrections, and um, over and over again to, to Israel. Part of that was the voice of God to the children of Israel, not just in instruction, but in the path they were to go. What were they to do? How were they to act? What were they to say? They didn't do it. They let their spiritual guard down, and for generations after generations, let that sink in. The God, Yahweh, is speaking to the chosen people who he's delivered from slavery, delivered out of bondage, protected them, and they still did not do what God had wanted them to do. I used to, in our D group, I mentioned earlier, <laughs> outside of a tent, in a column of fire, the voice of God is speaking to his people. And they went, no, I don't think that's, that's going to be the right way. <laughs> Let that sink in a minute. It's overwhelming how big a hole they dug. 
And only a God this big can get them out. And Jeremiah saw that. Jeremiah understood that and was trying to deliver the message over and over again. God's timing's perfect. The days are coming, he says. I will raise up a righteous branch for David. He will reign as king and administer justice and righteousness. The name he will be called is the Lord of Righteousness. Why is that important to us today? Understanding the genuine, true relationship, the true covenant of God through Jesus Christ. It's not the information of the Old Testament that saves us. It's, it's reaching toward and placing our life, yielding ourselves to the Holy Spirit, yielding ourselves, choosing Jesus who died on the cross. So it's through Jesus Christ that we can best turn ourselves over to the Lord. But there's a thing in the way called self-righteousness. Self-righteousness. The problem is that we don't see our own self-righteousness. The self-righteousness begins to get us somewhere spiritually, which is called hell. We choose the wrong thing. We choose the wrong way. We have the instructions of God, and we choose our own way. Maybe we don't think we need to be saved. Maybe when I think of being saved, I'm thinking of, a person in the water drowning, grasping for air, reaching for life, drowning, and need to be saved. Not we're walking down the hallway looking for somebody to talk to. Salvation is needing to be saved. And that's the righteousness of God that we'll continue to wade through here. If you don't understand what that means, and maybe we just feel like we need to be helped by God. That we know the way most of the time, and if we get in trouble, we just need help from God. We don't need to be saved, we need to be helped. Well, if that's your plan, then you have a watered-down view of sin. Your sin problem has become watered down to you. You're misunderstanding the problem. And I'm standing here today to tell you, at least for me, if I choose that and I plan to do it that way, then I'm going to bust the gates of hell wide open. You know why? You can't work your way to God. Scripture is very clear. God reveals himself to us. We can't work our way to God. We, we, we're not good enough. One sin separates us from God. And the righteousness that we're talking about over and over again is Jesus Christ. And because of that righteousness, God sees us blameless. None of us should ever, ever be okay with self-righteousness. Sometimes we kind of glass our eyes over a little bit and we, we don't see straight. And we begin to think that we're okay. We embrace what we see, what we know. 
what we think we know. The word righteousness has become a religious cliche. Probably lost its meaning a lot in today's culture. But in biblical culture, the right plan, the right way, righteousness. That's the layman's definition. Right standing with God. Righteousness is a condition of being in the right relationship with the Lord. Understanding the role that I play and the role that Jesus plays. This can only happen through faith and dependence on Christ. There's a big difference between self-righteousness and God's righteousness. Mainly in the root of it. <laughs> because our self-righteousness is based in the sin. God's righteousness is based with no sin. It's recognized in self-righteousness that we have the final authority given to ourselves, And we're okay with that. And in that role, maybe we just need help. And that's the problem. We misunderstand our sin issue. Your self-righteousness in mine is actually called spiritual wrongness. Dr. Tony Evans, a pastor, writer, and author, says this, when we are comfortable with our wrongness, it's a clear sign that we are not hungry for God's righteousness. Meaning that if we're okay with certain sin sinful behaviors that are a part of this culture, then sin's not really a big deal. Because of where we sit, the environment we're in, what we see, what we hear. It doesn't seem like it's a big deal because it's watered down. It makes it hard to understand what hunger and thirst for righteousness means because it's God's righteousness. I got a question for you. Are we too comfortable in our wrongness or self-righteousness? Are we comfortable there? God's righteousness is what we need to embrace. It shines a light on where we are where we need God and where sin begins to hide or we're hiding sin. It's that righteousness that is a glaring example of Jesus on a cross. And we understand the hope and the power and the grace and the mercy of God that He's placed on us through Jesus Christ. Point number two. Jesus' righteousness has paid the price for our sins. Righteousness didn't and doesn't mean that it comes without a cost. It had a huge cost. In fact, the cost was so steep that only one person could repay it. The Lamb of God, the pure Lamb, blameless Jesus Christ. That was God's plan. Through Jesus, he's made this sacrifice and the ability to know and receive the righteousness of God was made possible. So to understand that a little bit more, Paul talks a lot about it in Romans. If you've never read all the way through Romans, it's a great book to read. It's complicated, but it's a great book to read and study. Romans 3, 21 through 26 says, But now, apart from the law, 
the righteousness of God has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets, which is what we know as the Old Testament. The righteousness of God is through the faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, since there's no distinction. It's for all people. And then a familiar verse, for all who sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is through Jesus Christ. God presented Him as a mercy seat or a place of atonement for His blood through faith and demonstrated His righteousness because of His restraint. God passed over the sins previously committed by each of us. God presented Him to demonstrate His righteousness at the time at the present time, so that it would be just and justify the one who is faith in Jesus. So what this means is on the cross, there was a spiritual transaction. Actually, two of them. Two spiritual transactions. One, the payment for your sin was bought. Debited from your life and placed on Jesus' life. That's one spiritual transaction. The second transaction was righteousness was debited from Jesus' life and placed on you. Think about that for a minute. That's some good news. It is to me. Good news that sin was paid for and I got grace. When that moment of atonement took place, the transaction means that God passed over my sin and doesn't see them anymore. Too often we don't give God the praises or Jesus the glory for that one thing. We misunderstand the atonement of Jesus. How it plays out in our lives, in our church, in our community. It's way more than gracefulness, just the gratefulness. It's deep in mercy and grace and understanding Jesus' role in our life. So let's recap that transaction one more time. Jesus took the wages of sin on himself and he died. For that payment. At the same time, he placed grace on you. We live on this side of grace. Not rules and law, it's through faith in Jesus Christ that we have the opportunity to see righteousness, the righteousness of God, and understand what does that mean. In 2 Corinthians, also Paul 5:17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And the little thing between there says, and see, the new has come. The righteousness of Jesus brings back where we have been to where we need to be. Understanding who the Father is. Our ability to help others, to come to know Christ, is now on us. We carry the grace with us. 
That's not just fire insurance. That is our opportunity to bring people with us. Understanding what does that look like? The righteousness of God that fills us up. The power of the Holy Spirit. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is yours and mine. We have access, full, all access pass to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God. Point number three, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. A question today. How much Jesus do you want? Everybody sees that differently. Because we sit on self-righteousness. How much Jesus do you want? Do I want? It's not about just feeling good when you come to church. It's not about feeling the righteousness of God when you go to Bible study and life group and Wednesday nights and worship. It, it, it's so much bigger than that. It's the freedom of grace placed on you that we carry that message, the gospel of Jesus Christ to people. We cannot have it both ways where we just have a dash of God's righteousness and a dash of our self-righteousness. It's a taste that we only partly partake in. And that's not the way the Scripture works. What He's teaching here is that we understand grace and mercy. And because of atonement, we get the whole thing. And we misunderstand because we think it's about us. It's not about us. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. Atonement for your sin. And the righteousness of Jesus that comes with that. When we live in our own self-righteousness, we're always going to go back because we're emptied out. We don't feel full. We're unsatisfied. We might even lack purpose or discipline. The Bible offers two passages that I want to note here. Deuteronomy 6.25 Righteousness will be ours if we are careful to follow every one of these commands before the Lord our God as He's commanded us. Psalms 15, 1-2 Lord, who can dwell in your tent? Who can live on your holy mountain? The one who lives blamelessly practices righteousness and acknowledges the truth in his heart. Tie all that together with Matthew 5, 6 and it's translated this way. If Jesus... God and the Holy Spirit, if they said to do something, do that. That's the way it's translated. Do it. It makes us filled with righteousness. Not our righteousness. 
the righteousness of Jesus. What happens when we hunger and thirst? Because that's what this is about. It's, it's about hunger and thirsting for righteousness. It's understanding more and more about what righteousness is in our life. And whose it is. It's not ours. It's Jesus. It's the misunderstanding of the characteristic of Jesus. If we work harder at understanding that, then we become respectful, thoughtful, disciplined, generous in giving like Jesus. Self-controlled, hardworking, honest, straightforward like Jesus. Loyal, trustworthy, caring, compassionate, wise like Jesus. It's not a destination that you arrive at. It's the pursuit of holiness that I'm talking about. It's the pursuit of these things that are characteristics of the righteousness of Jesus. It's not a place you arrive and go, whoo, I'm there. Let me caution you. That would be self-righteousness. It's the pursuit of it. The journey. We get the whole buffet of grace and mercy. The holiness of God. God's righteousness makes us whole and blameless and pure to God. But it's through Jesus Christ that we get that. It's not of your own works. It's through the faith. The holiness of God cannot accept anything but purity. The goal here is not to do more, but to be more like Jesus. That's the pursuit. And the instructions of God that we do, in the righteousness of God, we become because it's not about you, it's about Jesus. That we hunger and we thirst for righteousness. That's the way. Jehovah said, Kinu, the Lord is our righteousness. As the band's coming up, I want you to ponder on two things. One, what do I do with the righteousness of God if I don't do it? It's the pursuit of understanding the righteousness of Jesus. It's the grace that comes with it that we live on this side of grace because of Jesus. The cross played such a huge role in that because the atonement for the sin. That we can pursue the holiness of God because of that. Not in your own works, but through faith in Jesus Christ. It's through Him that we get it. That we even have the opportunity. And number two, where are we in the role of hunger and thirst for righteousness? Are we too tangled up in the culture and the sin that is in the culture that we've watered this down so much that we can't see it? 
Those are the two things I want you to ponder through and think through today. Let's pray together. Father, I admit that I've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, even short of your purity, your justice, your integrity, your mercy, your love. I have no right to stand in your presence except by the grace of your Son through his offering on that cross. Thank you, God, for drawing me back in when I was so far away. Help me to hunger and thirst for righteousness on this earth. That all men and all women might return to you and give you the glory through the love and the power and the mercy and the strength of your Son, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray all these things. Jehovah Sidkenu. Let that be so. Amen.